BorderCast podcast is a product of BorderCast.com. We are a dedicated team of meteorologists that provide weather forecasts, discussions, and analysis specific to Boulder County. If you want to receive email notifications for our posts, look for the subscribe button on our homepage. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at BoulderCast. If you have questions or comments or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, message us at contact at BoulderCast.com. BoulderCast, a Boulder take on weather. Welcome to the Bouldercast podcast. This is your, this is Andy. We have Ben here as well. Hey, Ben. Hey, good to hear from you again, Andy. You too, Ben. It's been a while. We looked and it's been almost four and a half years since we did our last podcast. Can you believe it? Uh, it's hard to believe. Uh, I wonder if we still have any listeners out there. <laughs> well, it's been a highly requested Come back here for the podcast, so give it our best shot. Yeah. This is our 27th episode, in case you're just joining us now for the first time. We do have 26 other episodes available. Yeah, our last one was uh, Matt Steiner, who was basically still uh, at CU Boulder, and he was talking about his PhD work. That was a good episode. This is a good one to go out on. Yeah. (laughs) But here we are. So things have changed a lot in the last four years, for sure. That they have, yeah. I, uh, for any of the listeners out there or any of our uh, subscribers, you know, I probably may have noticed my tag on the website change in my location. I moved from Colorado to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, as of June this year. So... Uh, as much as I loved Colorado, I was looking for a change, so I got a federal position with the National Weather Service out here, so that's what led to my change, but there's been some changes all around. Yeah, you've been doing pretty good. So far, so good. Uh, not, not doing the forecasting yet, but that's because you have to do a lot of training along the way, so... Yeah, we'll have to quiz you on that on another episode. <laughs> that Give us some of your insight about that whole process. Yeah. And hey, you never know. There might be an opening at the National Weather Service in Boulder. Yeah, I always think about that, for sure. You might find your way back. Or Cheyenne. Yeah. Or Cheyenne, or yeah. Pueblo. <laughs> never know. Maybe not Pueblo, but I guess you can't <laughs> rule it out. <laughs> It's closer than North Carolina. <laughs> What's new on uh, your end, Ben? Let's see. Back in 2016, what was I doing? I think I was still working at Uber last time that we podcasted, but shortly after that, I switched to my current company, uh, which is a software company in Broomfield. But yeah, it's crazy. Been there for over four years now. Wow. Time flies. Yep, doing a lot of cool stuff. Cool stuff that you probably can't share with the team. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of it. A lot of it's, uh, I don't know, defense and intelligence related. Not classified, but uh, of course. (laughs) 
course, sure. our, uh, the people buying our software are doing some uh, national security things with it. So, yeah. Okay. In any case, yep, yeah, still there. But without the, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it's been kind of weird these last three months, four months. Probably the same for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially moving during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Trying to meet people is, is uh, quite hard in a pandemic. That's for sure. So I've just yeah, been doing, was... yeah, just been doing a lot of, a lot of biking. So it's the one thing you can do to avoid people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah biking's kind of been my go-to weekend activity as well you know getting up in the mountains is great but you know everyone gets to the mountains on the weekends and all the trails are so crowded so you went there last week uh, with with tim and uh was the national park packed yeah, so one of our mutual friends, we went up hiking into Rocky Mountain. Um, actually, it was pretty refreshing to see how few people are actually up there. It was kind of reminded me of, I don't know, maybe a state park or something like that, not a national park. <laughs> so, you know, there was actually parking in all the parking lots at the Alpine Visitor Center. Maybe it was only 50% full at the parking lot in the middle of the afternoon. So, yeah, we've also had some changes on our website. Um, I'm sure some of our subscribers have noticed, and maybe they haven't as well. So we've had a lot of new products on there. So feel free to check those out. Yeah, we're not going to talk about four years of updates, but (laughs) there's a lot of stuff now that didn't even exist back then uh, from our last podcast. And... Um, we're always adding new things as well. And we'll probably talk about some of that a little bit more as the podcast goes on in the coming weeks or months. But for now, we won't bore you. <laughs> we'll spare the details. <laughs> yes, for sure. So do you want to talk a little bit about uh, how this podcast is going to work? Yeah, so we're moving we're forward. Ch- sure. Uh, we're going to try to do a few of these a month um, with, if time permits. Uh, both of us have busy jobs. Um, for me, since I work for the weather service now, I have rotating shifts. So some days I work days, some days I work nights, and some days I'm off. So, but we're going to try to do what we can to do a couple of months. Uh, if we get a few less in, then so be it. Um, and it might be times we do a few more, so it'll probably balance out. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and yeah, we're going to focus a lot of our talks weather-related on the Front Range in Colorado, but you know, there'll be some times where there's some noteworthy news, either in the global aspect or over the United States, uh, for instance. Um, hopefully, we'll potentially interview some people in the field as well, which may not be the norm for our podcast, but it could be a special thing. Yeah, Uh, definitely have some guests in mind already. (laughs) Um, And we'll try and talk about the weather that may have occurred in in previous months. Uh, So, you know, looking at uh, maybe the drought, which 
may be important. Uh, precipitation, look at outlooks. Um, could be just a few of the different topics we might look at. Um, and we also hope to talk about different, uh, uh, we have sort of a thing called a speed round, which is where we will talk about uh, uh, a quick overview of a certain uh, weather uh, topic. It could be explaining uh, how things work in the atmosphere to give you guys an understanding of what we look at and why the why that certain phenomena is important to forecast. If you want to add to that, Ben, feel free to. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so we'll be doing that towards the end of this episode. We'll be talking about a specific topic. And, yeah, I think we... We'll talk about the current weather situation uh, a good bit in there, but, yeah, the focus will be on the front range, but, of course, we'll... Weather is weather, right? It's, Everyone has it, so we'll be talking about a lot of different other aspects of weather as well. Exactly. So for this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the current weather here in Colorado, what's been happening uh, so far in the month of July. It's been rather hot and dry so far, but we'll talk a little bit about that. And what else do we have to discuss? We have our speed round for this episode, which will be... A quick, quick topic of cold fronts. So we'll talk about that. Sounds great. Everyone knows what a cold front is. So <laughs> hopefully we have some information to add there, but we should. Yeah, Ben, why don't you start us off with the weather discussion? It's been really hot <laughs> and dry. Uh, I know you live in North Carolina now, but there's certainly no stranger <laughs> forecasting here and you know um pretty much almost every day this month has been in the 90s which isn't that atypical for denver but um you know it's mostly been mid to upper 90s not just low 90s so it's been a lot of really hot days yeah um i think it's starting to wear on people it's definitely wearing on me <laughs> it's like groundhog day you know have you put your thermostat on yet? <laughs> yep, I've had my... So that's been another problem with working from home every day um, due to the virus. Is You know, you got to use the air conditioner if you're at home and it's 100 degrees. Yeah, that's true. You can't really afford not to use it. It won't work out. <laughs> yeah, so we are... So we're recording this on July 17th, and so far there's been uh, 14 days this month above 90 degrees in Denver, and it looks like 12 in Boulder, so okay. it's, been really hot, it's been a really hot month. Uh, the average high this month is 94 in Denver and 92 in Boulder. Okay, wow. So... Um, that is probably five degrees above average or so. Oh wow! How does that compare? Uh, how does that compare with? You said you said the number of ninety degree days. How does that compare with like the average number of ninety degree days you get in the general in a in a summer in a summer period? Um, maybe you don't know. 
But I actually just looked this up the other day. Uh, but now I can't seem to find it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've had... There was only a couple in June. June was actually a pretty... I think actually there were six in June in Boulder and then another 12. So we're up to about 18 or so now. Um, let me see. I have it here. Our average number of 90 degree days is about 28. Okay. In Boulder. So you've so, got a little bit more than half of that already. Yeah, we already got more than half. So, yeah, it's definitely been a hot month. And if we think about the pattern that's been causing that, um, it's just been that persistent high pressure that's been sitting kind of somewhere between Arizona and Texas, more or less the entire month. Yeah. It's been that it's been that exact pattern that does not bode well for the monsoon, so that's why we've seen the monsoon delayed as well, uh, which we did a post on talking about that. And here we are about 10 days after the monsoon should have started, and it still hasn't quite got going yet, even in Arizona. So we're running quite a bit late. And if you look at the ensembles, uh, even for next week, I was talking with a, another... Uh, someone from the site actually earlier today and they were saying oh. uh, we were talking about next week and how it doesn't really look any different. Um, just that it's going to be pretty much business as usual. We're going to be seeing nineties continuing into next week, but at least thankfully it looks like we'll get some more moisture working in um, whether the monsoon officially gets going or not, probably, but uh, we should see some degree of increased storm coverage next week. Yeah, I'm sure they'll get into it, but I guess, do you think that this heat pattern will continue given the current like drought over the state? I'm sure you'll talk about that, though. But What do you mean? Well, just based on your, your post about the delay of the monsoon, and then also that there's drought over. Kind oh, of yeah, the drought. Yeah, do you think like the high pressure will just kind of like strengthen through the summer or lessen somewhat? I don't know. You know, you know about the feedbacks from <laughs> drought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it usually feeds back on itself. Yeah, if you get a lot of rain, that moisture pool tends to produce more rain, and the similar areas are just downstream. But with no rain. You know, there's not as much moisture feeding back into the area. So, I don't know. Will it be continued drought for the rest of the summer? It doesn't seem likely that we're going to see any change to this anytime soon. Okay. Um, Client Prediction Center doesn't really show much going on. Uh, their latest outlook for, uh, let's see... For August is Colorado's in the we're in the fifty percent warm projection um, with no precipitation uh, suggestion. Um, but if in the three month period of let's see, that's uh, August, September, and October, Colorado is the indicated as the driest, has the highest probability of being drier than normal, along with Utah. Oh wow! But it's still only forty percent, but. For a three-month period, that's not good. And that period also has a 60% uh, 
chance of being warmer than normal. So it doesn't look like we're going to see any real changes in the near term here. So we've seen drought expand pretty much from down along the border with New Mexico and Colorado. Uh, Over the last weeks to month or two, we've really seen it expand north. And now part of Denver is actually in the first stage of drought. Okay. Um, But as we were talking about earlier, um, the pretty much most of Boulder County is drought free. Yeah. Is there, is, there, is there a reason for that? Is it just basically the storms were developing over Boulder and nowhere else? I don't think it has any, as much to do with the recent rainfall as it does with just how much snow might have dumped. Oh, uh, that's true. Because Boulder, Boulder County and even parts of Larimer County got really hit hard this winter. As you guys know, it's like a new snowfall record in Boulder with 152 inches, I think. So, I'm guessing it's probably that. I mean, there really hasn't been that much rain in Boulder either. We kind of had an, we had about 90% rainfall in June. So, a little bit less than normal in Boulder. Um, in July, so far, we're halfway through what should otherwise be a pretty rainy month with a monsoon. Um, and haven't had much rainfall at all. Looks like uh, 0.29 inches so far in Denver and Boulder is uh, at point zero one. I guess can that be right? <laughs> I guess that's right. Yeah, it that's, just rained two days ago briefly in Boulder, and that was the only rain of the month. That's in July. In July. In July, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's been crazy dry. I don't know what I've recorded here at my house, but it's been. More than that, but not much. <laughs> yeah, the nice green color we had in the foothills has really uh, went away. Oh, uh, okay. It was really nice and green, especially around Boulder, uh, with all that winter snow and some of those spring rainstorms. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, now it's more or less brown or a slight <laughs> green, greenish brown tint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the takeaway is really it's probably not going to get much better. Although we do have, though sooner or later, the monsoon does have to start. There's never been a summer where the monsoon didn't at least partially happen in Arizona. Yeah. So whether that makes it all the way to Colorado might be another story. So I guess for our listeners, like, what would you say the typical typical time period for when the monsoon usually starts sure so monsoon season for the entire united states or sorry the southwest united states is uh more or less from like mid-june all the way to late september okay um but if you look at the climatology which we talk about a lot on our site from tucson the monsoon doesn't, the median start date is somewhere around uh, July 7th, July 10th. In Arizona or Colorado? So for Arizona. Okay. Yeah, and then it could take anywhere from a few days to a week or so before that moisture really gets into Colorado. Just depends on the flow direction. Yeah. 
and such. Um, so, you know, here we are, July 17th. We got nothing in Arizona. And it's already 10 days late. But it is really right now on the cusp of uh, starting. Yeah. But, you know, that, that high-pressure pattern really isn't favorable for the monsoon. So with, with the high-pressure directly centered over Arizona, New Mexico, or Texas, especially West Texas like it's been, um, we just don't get that southerly flow coming in to Arizona. It's more like easterly or westerly, depending on which part of the ridge you're on. But, um, yeah, it's not what we want to see. So what we really we're hoping to see would be that the high pressure slides to the east uh, and then we get that counterclockwise uh sorry the clockwise flow into arizona yeah but it just hasn't happened yeah i guess the hope that the hope is that maybe when the monsoon does come to colorado uh it may help alleviate somewhat but that could also lead to some fire danger with lightning, lightning uh, as well. So, yeah, that's just, that's the that's the big concern, at least at the beginning of monsoon season. Before you know, the soaking rains really become widespread. Is that the very first first few days of monsoon season can bring some big storms, lots of dust storms, especially in Arizona, with all that really you know dry, arid areas mm-hmm. being parched for so long. So, yeah, yeah, we did do a we did do a post uh, back from the summer of 2018 that there was a similar situation where that high pressure had lingered for much of the summer, um, and there was barely any monsoon. It actually showed up really late, and it was never really that great. It came only lasted like maybe two weeks in Denver, and then it was done. Wow. So yeah. that can happen too. You know, Colorado's not really a prime monsoon state. We have to have really specific wind wind directions um, coming up from Arizona to get that moisture here. Yeah. And you know, Arizona gets it most pretty much the entire time. Once it starts, it doesn't really ever turn off too much. But uh, that doesn't necessarily translate to Colorado. We're kind of just on the the fringe of where the, the sphere of influence from the monsoon. Yep. So, yeah, so I guess it's mostly bad news, but good news is that maybe we'll see something next week. Cross our fingers. Yeah, that's for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, Colorado is... Now has seventy percent drought coverage for the entire state. Yeah, which is uh, definitely one of the top states for drought. Probably just behind Utah. Oh yeah, so Utah. Yeah, Utah is pretty bad too. Yeah, Utah has ninety percent right now, and Nevada is also pretty bad at seventy-eight percent. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of drought in the West. Not really so much in the East anymore. The East is doing pretty good. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Looks like North Carolina is 100% (laughs) drought-free. I guess you've had a lot of rain. (laughs) Yeah, we had sort of a cool beginning of summer. So when I came here in June, we actually had 
some troughs that would just like low pressure areas that would just kind of cut off and sit over over the state for like a couple of days and just bring cooler weather and uh, mm-hmm. clouds and some rainfall. So, but that's long gone as the, you know, you get into the summertime, cold fronts don't make it as far south anymore. So the heat nope. is back. <laughs> <laughs> and even so. worse, the humidity. Oh yeah. Dew points. You get a, uh, oh, people always talk about humidity, but, uh, I guess for everyone out there, it's like we, I convinced my mom to understand that it's better to look at the dew point than to look at the humidity. Um, because the, the dew point's actually the real measure of how much moisture is actually out there. So That's I a always, secret. That's a weather secret. Don't, don't tell anyone. <laughs> so usually, you know, the higher the dew point, the more kind of muggy and unsettled it's going to feel. Um, fortunately for Colorado, you know, like Denver, Boulder, you don't really get to the low 60s except for like the monsoon season, like low mm-hmm. 60s, like low 60s. It's kind of like the peak. Um, but like, you know, if you go to the Midwest and to the Southeast, you can get into the mid 70s dew points. Um, and that's where it feels kind of unbearable. Um, yeah, that's for sure. I, yeah, I was looking back yesterday, I'm trying to see what day it was, but a couple of days ago we had, uh, we had this really nice, like, beautiful sunny morning, it was cool, um, and then kind of in the middle of the morning there was this outflow boundary, which came from some storms over kind of near the Nebraska area. And like the sun pretty much disappeared immediately, and this like layer of fog came in uh, briefly in the morning, lasted a couple hours. But I'm just looking back now, and during that layer of fog, the dew point was 61 degrees. Okay. So that's probably the highest dew point we've had in 2020 so far <laughs> for us in Denver. That only it only lasted a couple hours uh, in that morning. And yeah, it was crazy. It was like sunny, and then all of a sudden, I looked outside and it was foggy, and I was confused. <laughs> um. I don't think that was that specific um, occurrence of fog and that outflow was very well forecast. Caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. But yeah, so two points, even at 60, it was feeling pretty muggy that day. Yeah. I Colorado standards, of course. <laughs> yeah, you get used to the, the dry weather and the comfort. So any any small change, you're going to notice it, um, for sure. Yeah, I feel like I, my cutoff is around 50 degrees dew point. <laughs> Once it gets about 50 above that, I'm like, eh, it's a little bit sticky out here. <laughs> That's when I start to notice it. But anything below that, it, does, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, yeah. Which is why in the summertime, you usually hike higher in elevation because you know moisture decreases with height in mm-hmm. general in general so it feels much more comfortable up there it's also cooler too yeah yeah that's the benefits <laughs> yeah was it last last weekend me and our friend a friend uh did a hike in rocky mountain yeah it was really nice up there it was i think tied a record high in denver that day or it was just below it 
it was like 99 degrees. Oh. But on the, when we went hiking up to 13,000 feet, it was in the 60s, low 60s. So nice. it, was re- it was really nice up there, like 20 mile per hour winds. So it was actually pretty cold. Um, but not too bad. You bring a jacket? Oh, yeah. That's good. I had a jacket. I don't think I actually used it, though. Yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't use it. <laughs> yep, I was up there in shorts and a t-shirt. So, nice. beautiful day. Nice. Okay. So, Amazing. that's what we got really for the current weather. Unless you have anything else? Uh, there was just something that was like, I noticed just now that CP Climate Prediction Center, I'm sure you've seen it, but looks like mm-hmm. they're, they're saying a 50 to 55% chance of La Nina development by the fall. Um, yeah, that was actually, a, well, yeah, that's, a, that's somewhat of a new development uh, within the last uh, month or two. So you remember with this winter work, we had an El Nino or at least a week, a week El Nino to a slight just neutral conditions. But all of a sudden in the last month or so, we've seen the uh, equatorial Pacific there really start to cool off. So all them, all their forecasts pretty much just flip flopped because so I don't know if I really trust it, but I see. Yeah. So yeah, they were they were predicting kind of neutral or neutral conditions, most likely for this winter. But now it's as soon as it changed to La Nina, now they think it's going to be the best chances of a La Nina. Yeah, but I don't. There's not much. Um, I don't have much confidence in that forecast. Personally, I don't know about you. Well, yeah, it's fifty percent chance, so it could go either way. If it, if you look at it the other way, yeah, it's true. Glass half, <laughs> glass half empty, right? Half full. Yeah, fifty percent chance of La Nina, but there's also a fifty percent chance of it not being a La Nina. So, yeah. But I think the I think there's a pretty good consensus that you know you can't get back to an El Nino at this point. I I don't know I don't have the uh, graphs in front of me, but if they if they did have the percentage graphs, I imagine the the red El Nino bars would be very small. Yeah, that's true. It'd probably be ten percent or less. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to go back to an El Nino after just having switched. But yeah, the cooling in the off the coast of uh, South America there has been pretty pretty impressive. It's taken over. Yeah. For this kind of this time in the season, for sure. Yeah, there's a La Nina watch in effect. Oh, okay. I didn't know that existed. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I don't think that was issue the last time I looked though. But apparently it is now. So <laughs> We'll be talking about that, I guess, as we go into the winter. Yeah, that'll have some implications for our snowfall. Yeah, and I did do some I did do some data analysis on the impact El Nino had on our monsoon season a couple years back, several years back, maybe even. 
Um, and El Nino actually had a positive influence on the monsoon um, in Colorado, giving us statistically higher chances of more precipitation if there was an active um, El Nino. But I don't remember the results for the La Nina, unfortunately. <laughs> so I don't remember if I actually did that analysis. But okay. So presumably it would be opposite. So maybe Post. that's part of Post. the reason for into everything, but it's not an official La Nina yet, anyways. What was the reasoning for the increased moisture in the El Nino? That just just bringing in more moisture from the Pacific. I think it was, yeah, just more northward transport from the increased convection Okay. Uh, along the equator. And it's a lot, a little bit more than I want to talk about, I guess. But <laughs> We could save that for another podcast. It increased Hadley, so. <laughs> <laughs> a topic for future. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Later, we can dedicate more time to the La Nina. I have to do a little bit more research to see really what it does for the monsoon. But by that point, it'll be too late. Monsoon will be over. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything else to add besides that. Okay. Yeah, I don't really have much, much either. Um, so you didn't see that comment, did you? Which comment? I forget the name, but the comment that's currently... Oh, yeah, that's right. The, the I thought you, you said comment. Oh, comment. <laughs> okay, comment. Yeah, comment. Uh, comment. It's, um, the astrological object. It's called Comet Neowise. N-E-O-W-I-S-E. Um, and so apparently it's... It's one big ice ball. It's about 3.1 miles across. So pretty oh. big. Pretty big. Oh, surprising how bright it is. For only being three miles across. Yeah. Um, yeah, comets, comets are pretty cool. How they zoom in, go past the sun, get really warm. A lot of melting of their yeah. ice and leaving that big long trail behind and then they're gone. Yeah, time to see it will be just after sunset or before sunrise from July 13th to 19th. And you look to the northwest, first have to find the Big Dipper. And it will generally be below the Big Dipper. Um, it looks like it rises in the horizon each to six successive night. So... Mm -hmm. I just have to look higher and higher each okay. day. But it looks like it's going to be closest to the Earth between July 22nd and the 23rd. Mm. This is just from okay. Earth, earthsky.org. Um, mm. It's going to pass like 64 million miles from us, so it's not going to like hit us or anything, which is good news. <laughs> 64 million? 64 million miles. Isn't that... So the the sun is what ninety six million, uh ninety uh, nine ninety something. Yeah, so it's even closer than the sun. That's 
pretty cool. That's, that's true, yeah. So it's between some of the planets, yeah. Oh, man. Good thing it didn't so, hit anything. <laughs> so if you want to see it, I want to go out at night where there's not much light pollution. So, When is that? There's always light pollution. <laughs> well, if you're going camping, you can definitely see it. So that's... Yeah. Or if you're going to, like, sand dunes in Colorado, that's a good place to see it. <laughs> but... Yeah, luckily, uh, here in Colorado, we have pretty much almost diurnally forced weather every day. So pretty much the morning is sunny and clear every single day. Yeah. So you should have pretty good views of it. You know, any of the clouds that form from the afternoon storms and everything are gone by the time the sun comes up. So everyone should be having a good look at it. Yeah, it's a good time to check it out. Just not me, because I'm not getting up that early. <laughs> see, Yeah, I was looking to see when it... There was some somewhere I saw it doesn't... You know, we probably won't see it again in our lifetimes, but I can't seem to find that that time it repeats which is it was some ash it was some huge amount of years so i thought it was like sixty thousand. <laughs> yeah something like that something so, years so if you want to see it see it now because you're probably not going to live another sixty thousand years <laughs> i don't feel like i've ever heard this comment mentioned before which makes sense i guess if it only comes every sixty thousand years <laughs> but you know about Haley's comment which is every 60 years or something or 70 yeah like between 68 and 75 something like that yeah we're we gonna see that one again probably not we it came in like 2000 let's check it out returns about every 75 years um, okay i'm not sure when it last came do you either see it once in your life or you see it twice <laughs> oh, last time it was here was 1986. Really? It's projected to return 2061. So I may be, I'd probably be around, but. Let's hope so. <laughs> so. Yeah. You wouldn't be too yeah. old. So if you don't get, if you don't catch Neo Wise, you could try and catch Haley. Yeah. 2061. That is true. Should we go on to the speed round? Yes. Let's see how fast we can talk about cold fronts. <laughs> why, why don't you start us off with the, the, a brief intro, I guess. Everyone knows what a cold front is. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows what a cold front is. We talk about cold fronts. Uh, we talk about warm fronts. Um, and there's even like a third one that maybe doesn't get as much notoriety. It's called like an occluded front. But we'll talk about that at a later episode. Nope, stick to cold front. <laughs> this so, is a speed round. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think maybe people may not realize maybe like how a cold front or a front in general can like lead to like lift. But essentially okay. a cold, cold front is more or less just by the nature of its name, it's bringing in a cooler air mass or a colder air mass into a certain region. Um, and there tends to be colder air behind it than what is ahead of it. And that's the main reason we call it a cold front. Um, it's 
transporting colder air into uh, the front range, for instance. And mm-hmm. front range at that particular time is going to be warmer than the air that's behind the actual front. So um, that's how they get their names. Um, generally, you know, I mean, generally in the wintertime, they're more prevalent because uh, we'll talk about it later, but the upper level jet stream is just more. Uh, it's much more strong, much stronger, and yeah. yeah, it's it's located further south across the mid latitudes than it is in the summertime, and so the fronts uh, propagate further south in the wintertime than they do in the summertime. Um, so we still get fronts in the summertime, but they're just not as maybe dramatic as they would be in the winter. Um, although you guys did have a nice cold front. Uh, not too long ago, so and you'll, they're going to have one this weekend, which will be a nice change as well. So um, yeah, so that's that's part of the problem with Colorado. Just the or with the Front Range in particular is how close we are to the mountains. Um, at least in the summer, the cold fronts generally don't tend to re- come down this way very often. You know, usually they'll head across the upper Midwest into the Great Lakes in the Northeast. Um, and then Colorado will get the very, very tail end of the cold front. They will just barely clip the area. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we won't, some of the cold fronts will barely notice a difference. Um, just depends on where that cold air wants to go, I guess. But more often than not, the cold fronts are pretty weak in the summer months. Yeah, yeah, that kind of made me think of maybe think about something too. Is that uh, typically like in the Midwest or like what you were saying up in the Great Lakes and uh, like Minnesota and Dakota, mm-hmm. things like that? You'll tend to get the front coming in from the west. It'll go from it'll go from west to east, mm-hmm. um, which you kind of alluded to it already. We kind of get the tail end of it, but we tend to get our fronts mainly coming in from the north northeast. Um, is where we tend to get our, you know, big drops in temperatures. Um, and that's just largely due to the terrain and where we are located over the state. Um, the mountains to our west, you know, tend to uh, mm-hmm. do a number on the front as it comes from the west. Um, it's a and great obviously, point. Yeah. So, yeah, there will, there will be fronts that can make it over the mountains. Uh, usually those are the stronger kind of more wintry ones that kind of originate and come ashore into California. Um, those type of systems. But yeah, we do the, the most common directions, definitely north, northeast. Um, in the weather world, we call this backdoor cold fronts. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because that's our <laughs> normal direction. So it's kind of like our front door is actually everyone else's back door. that's a good way to describe it yeah i couldn't so yeah i don't think there was when i used to live in pennsylvania uh, a while ago but i don't think there was ever a cold front that came from the northeast that would be almost impossible (laughs) could you imagine a cold front coming from that way i don't know did you see a cold front coming to north carolina from the northeast there's a thing we get out here called like cold air damming which tends Mm, to lock in the cold air is you get maybe like a low pressure forming like maybe over Mississippi or Alabama. And mm-hmm. then you get like a 
boundary forms along there and then it ends up bringing in colder air from like the northeast if there's high pressure up there so maybe technically in that scenario i guess but probably not as frequently yeah yeah that's a good that's a good example uh it's not really a true cold front i guess but yeah yeah (laughs) there's no room generally cold air damming is just really nice weather right (laughs) nice and cold yeah like sunny because it's high pressure Mm-hmm. Or I guess potentially icy in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah, it could cause some uh, ice storms if there's another low pressure around, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so the cold fronts, um, did you did you really talk about the lift as much as you wanted to? Yeah, the lift. So I guess it's interesting around where we are. Well, not where I am, I guess, but like where where Boulder <laughs> where where Boulder and Denver is, because like you'll tend to get. So let's just go a step back, I guess. Like in the Midwest, you know, you'll tend to get lift along and east of the cold front because you're more or less. If you think about it, the wind behind the cold front is usually westerly, like a west wind, just in general. I mean, it can come out of the west, southwest, northwest, but mm-hmm. just yep. the mean, mean direction is westerly. And then generally to the east of the cold front, before it advances through your certain area, it's generally out of the south or southeast. And so if you basically like were to look at a picture, like these two different opposing wind directions kind of going against each other, they're more or less going to kind of collide and Mm -hmm. usually when that happens in the atmosphere uh they the the air can't go into the ground because the ground is there so it it more or less gets forced to to rise in the into the uh into the into the atmosphere and the rising motion gives us clouds and eventual precipitation if there's enough moisture in place um but over Colorado, you know, we get our fronts primarily from the east-northeast. So it plays another role in that the terrain kind of gives us that lift in terms of the upslope along the foothills and the, along the uh, high country. Um, That's a good point, too. So it's a more of a complicated kind of lifting mechanism there. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. I think there's an there's another aspect of the fronts that that is unique to Colorado as well is that t- typically our cold fronts will the air behind the cold front will actually have more moisture than the air ahead of the cold front which is a which is different than what happens in the rest of the country yeah that's true so you know we so it's kind of an interesting dynamic that you know, the moisture a lot of the time, especially in the winter, is doesn't show up until the cold front goes through. And even in the summer, uh, the, a lot of the times we rely on that moisture behind the front to actually fuel the storms. Yeah. Um, just because it's so dry normally ahead of it. And, you know, before the front comes, you know, we're probably getting southwest flow maybe from the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just generally dry. Um, but, uh, you know, that that surface moisture doesn't show up until the front comes. 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Yeah, so it's it's pretty hard to forecast in Colorado, I would say. You know, just a lot it's just much different than any other part of the country. Yeah. And some of the regular guidance products that you can get from a variety of different websites uh, mm-hmm. will have so we look at different pressure levels of the atmosphere when we forecast and one of the levels that generally people look at is a level that's about 5,000 feet above the surface which in Denver we can't really look at that level because we're actually above that level because we're so high in elevation about like 5,000 mm-hmm. 280 feet above sea level. <laughs> so, yeah. It's so talking about level, the 850 level. Yeah. So that level is below the height of uh, Denver and Boulder in general. It does vary with the air mass, but uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, we have to look at a, a specific level when we're actually looking at the, at the actual location of the front for the front range. And as Ben said, they could be quite subtle um, to pick out. So that's why we look at a more yeah. like supplementary, supplementary, <laughs> supplementary level. <laughs> Good luck picking out this summer fronts. <laughs> um, but the front usually can be well depicted when you look at, if you plot the, uh, plot, plot the sea level pressure on a map, you can tend to get sort of like some uh, indications of a boundary kind of coming through the area. So. That's also a good indication. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's almost like detective work to find the front sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you look for the slight wind shift, you look for that um, the pressure dip on your surface map you're talking about. A lot of the times I look at do surface dew points because like I said, the fronts always usually come with a moisture change as well. Mm-hmm. With more moisture generally behind the front. So, yeah, cold fronts, the best kind of front. <laughs> In my do, you want, <laughs> do you want to do you want to explain why the moisture goes up behind the cold front in our area as opposed to like anywhere else? Sure. Well, I mean, I touched on a little bit just that, you know, our, it's normally pretty dry around here. And because our fronts are coming from the east, that's generally those areas have access to more moisture than we do. Um, Just kind of the nature of how the country is set up with the Gulf of Mexico, Mm -hmm. I guess. So the dew points, uh, you know, in far eastern Colorado, Kansas, and Nebraska, they can get really muggy over there. Uh, But that that moisture, you know, rarely tends to make it into our area. Um, it's only when those fronts come through that we start to get that moisture from the east pushing in. That makes sense. Yeah. I was thinking you, too. Yeah. Sure. I was I was think I was thinking too. Maybe the other reason is, you know, you're getting that lift by the upslope, like being forced up the terrain too. That's kind of as it moves from like Nebraska to Eastern Colorado and the Front Range, it's like slowly uh, rising in elevation as it moves west. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess moistening or saturating along the way, I guess, could be another way to look at it. Yes. But yeah, there is probably a large component there, just the moisture coming from other sources 
to our east. Yeah, I mean, the, the gradual upslope as it comes in to the front range from the east is definitely a, come, definitely a factor for at least clouds and precipitation forming. Yeah. In the, you know, non-summer seasons, I would say. Sometimes in the summer. Anything else you think for cold fronts? Um, I guess I would just say one one other thing is that some a lot of the times we're at the very bottom of the front. I talked about this a little bit, but um, that if there's nothing really happening kind of in our area, the front will kind of just, you know, sit there and bank up against the foothills and then sit there. It could sit there for multiple days, um, just kind of wiggling back and forth across different parts of the metro area. So we've seen that. Um, you, we've seen that happen a lot, especially in like severe weather season. Those type of fronts can kind of sit there, uh, go back and forth, and act as lifting mechanisms for the severe storms for that day. Yeah, you know, all the moisture is behind the front, so basically to the east of the front, and all of so. Generally, we want that if we're looking for good storms, we want that front to be further west across our area, kind of stalled out. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's another aspect of fronts because we got the mountains there. The fronts tend to just stall. Not They're not going to make it over the you know continental divide. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That, happened, that happens pretty frequently, I would say. Yeah, I thought this past week in Colorado, I thought that that front we had was going to lead to some better chance for storms, but that doesn't seem to didn't seem to materialize uh, too much. So yeah, those. Let's see. That was Tuesday and Wednesday. We're both in the seventies. Um, it was. Don't get me wrong. It was definitely way colder outside. <laughs> um, those days were great. There were there was just a lot of clouds. Uh, we didn't get nearly as much solar heating, and sometimes the front. The cold air behind the front is actually worse than the moisture behind the front. And it just stabilizes everything. Yeah. You know, you need the moisture for the instability, but if the air is also really cold, it's not good either for storms. So I yeah. think the cold air won out this week more than anything. Yeah, that would be a future topic would be why solar heating is important for creating unstable air for storm development <laughs> that would be a great topic <laughs> i'm sure people look at our posts and they're like instability what does that mean <laughs> i know there's so many aspects of weather that you have to do your best to describe yeah but oh that's stick with us and we'll get you up to date get you up to date on everything <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a nice little uh, overview of the uh, cold fronts across the front range, specifically for our area. Yes. Yeah, that was a good start. I don't know if I'd call that a speed round, but it was something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not drawn out, that's for sure. Yeah, we covered pretty much most of the bases. Um, I'm satisfied with that. Yeah, me too. Well, do we want to have any closing comments or discussion about anything? Um, what do you think? You got anything on your end? I don't think so. I just hope 
that we keep doing these podcasts and I enjoy them. I think you do too. So you've been wanting to do it longer than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you said, there was some demand for it. So I had uh, some previous colleagues in Boulder were asking about it. Mm-hmm. Like actually my parish priest was, uh, I guess, sharing it with um, a colleague of mine that I volunteered with. And he was emailing me and be like, hey, does this still exist? <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's another person that wanted to uh, listen to it. So um, Yeah, and that other person uh, from the El Dorado run. Yeah, that's right. That was a race we did, Joseph and I did, several years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> we actually met the listener at the race, which was kind of, kind of funny. <laughs> You're famous for one moment. <laughs> he was like, I love that show. I listen to that all the time. <laughs> that must have been back when we were in the middle, thick into the podcasting. I think I was still, I don't know if I was a PhD student then. No, I must have been still mm-hmm. with my previous job. So, but yeah, that was pretty cool. So, yeah. Well, in any case, we'll try and do, you know, a couple a month. Whatever fits our schedules. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll plan on having some interesting episodes and uh, bring some people back. Uh, we have Matt Steiner, who was on our podcast, who expressed joining us again, too. So I'm sure our listeners will be happy to hear his voice again. And yep. And they won't. They'll be excited to see what he's doing now. <laughs> but we won't yeah. spoil that. <laughs> he can share what he's uh, been up to. Yep. So, cool. All right, well, that is all I have for this particular episode. Yep. I guess we'll catch you next time. All right. See you next time, guys. <laughs>